Hello friends, and welcome to The Final Threshold, a voice of those who are crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord and to make His pathway straight. Here at The Final Threshold, we proclaim the true message of the Kingdom in preparation for Messiah's second coming events. My name is Chadwick Harvey, and I welcome you. Friends, today we have a very special guest and friend of mine, Timothy Gill, who is a missionary and teacher of the gospel and the founder of the Christian Persecution Preparedness Institute. We will be discussing the imperative topic of spiritual warfare. As we witness the events in the world spoken of by the biblical prophets, including Messiah in the Olivet Discourse, spiritual warfare is paramount for us to understand and to engage in for ourselves and for others. We will be discussing a variety of points on this crucial topic so sit back and enjoy my conversation with Timothy Gill. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing fantastic. Well, great. Well, we really appreciate you joining us again on episode number two on the importance of spiritual warfare. And I know last time we set the foundation of the spiritual warfare when we looked at Ephesians 6, and we also went back into the Genesis account uh, as well. So if the listeners, if you haven't listened to the first podcast, uh, I would recommend doing that before we listen to this one so we can get the foundation as to understand the foundation of where spiritual warfare uh, actually began and how it will end once uh, Jesus returns for us second coming. Uh, but we wanted to, in this podcast, go through the personal spiritual warfare. And I uh, will just like to open that up with you, Tim, on how you want to uh, tackle this with Ephesians 6 uh, with the personal spiritual warfare. Well, I believe that it can be personal and, uh, and corporate, but I mean, the personal part of it, if you don't have everybody on the same page, you don't have corporate anyway. So uh, I think that the one thing that's paramount as far as spiritual warfare goes in a personal sense or a corporate sense is understanding the why Paul wrote this the way that he did as he was being led by the Holy Spirit to write the things down that are in our scriptures today. He made an emphasis on a standing firm, uh, which he mentioned three times uh, in the in the scriptures above it uh in fact you know it, it it's it's obvious that that's what he was wanting us to do but the part on verse 6 uh for uh ephesians six fourteen, where he says stand firm therefore having girded your loins with truth or put on the belt of truth in other uh versions of the scripture that are out there other translations and this whole idea of truth is paramount in understanding the rest of it because that is the hinge point when you stop and look back going back to the very beginning with genesis what was the thing that he did to eve to cause her to stumble or to fall he just flat told her a lie. First, he got her to focus on the tree, the tree that they weren't supposed to touch, they weren't supposed to eat from, to stay away from that tree. He got her to focus on that, 
Then he said to her, did, did God say not to eat from any tree of the garden? Got her to focus back on the tree. No, no, not every tree, just the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And she explained to him why though so. And he told her a bold-faced lie. You shall not surely die. He countered what God was saying. This is, I think, we, where we need to start with the foundation of this truth. I agree with you. And truth is, and as the listeners know as well, truth is the Holy Bible. You know, the truth is the Holy Bible, and he's given us the Holy Spirit, the two great witnesses uh, to go on. And that's why such importance uh, it's so important to be in this Holy Bible so we're not deceived. And it goes back into what Messiah warned on his last prophetic sermon. You know, do not be deceived. That's the first thing that he said. And as Paul wrote his book in Ephesians, I do believe that he understood what uh, the short the church the corporate church of today was going to go through just like what he was seeing and what he knew the past believers uh, had to go through as well he understood what the church uh, at the end of the age would go through as well uh, thus the reason i believe or well, one of the reasons he wrote the book of ephesians for us to have that wisdom and that knowledge of do not be deceived you know do not fall for the lie stay in the word of god stay in the girdle of truth the belt of truth which is the word of god so it's very important and i love the foundation of that uh, that you mentioned uh, so yeah it's important for all of us to stand in the truth of the holy bible because as we know uh, satan is very deceptive with all the shiny things of the world the lust of the eyes pride of life lust of the flesh uh, like we mentioned in the last podcast episode one of this spiritual warfare so i thought it was a great point to bring that up to truth and we have to stay in that truth so we're not deceived so that we can win the spiritual warfare. There's an important part that we have to add to this, too, is the fact that we cannot separate the spirit from the word. The word is, and, and, and I'm going to go back into John 16, 13 for this, because this is, this is why I put these two series that I developed, the, you know, the spirit of truth and spiritual warfare I've made videos on both of them and incorporate them together because of this verse. I mean, this is, if you keep it in context, this is Jesus speaking about him going away and all the things that were going to be necessary for them. And he comes to the fact that in, in verse 16, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes. Now, how does the spirit of truth come? That is where we were talking about true salvation. You're born again of the Spirit. You're born again of the Spirit of God. And so it says, but when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. This is important because there isn't going to be up to the, you know, up to you to pick and choose which is true and which isn't true. He's going to guide us into all truth, all of the truth. And he will not point initiative, but whatever he hears he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. And when he talks about that, what he hears, who does he hear? He hears from God himself and Jesus. They're part of the Trinity. So it's plenty of, you know, Jesus is truth. The word of God is truth. So these things are, are working all together so that you have complete truth and understanding. 
That's so good. And uh, when you were talking, it reminds me, and, and you and you said this, that uh, Jesus is the Word. You know, He was the Word made flesh. Yep. And then you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Father. So it works in unison. And what's so beautiful about uh, what you mentioned in John 16 is uh, John 14 through 16 is just such a great, it's some of my favorite passages in the Holy Bible. Uh, as he says, that there are many mansions awaiting for all of us. You know, so he gives us this great hope to endure till the end. And then he speaks of remaining in him, the vine and the branch in John 15. And then also John 16, what you just mentioned, he speaks about the blessed Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that will lead us into all truth. And it goes back into what we kind of mentioned in the last podcast, that we need to have our spiritual ears tuned into the blessed Holy Spirit and our spiritual eyes on the word of God, those two great witnesses and put off all the distractions of the world and all the deception of the world that Satan uses, so to speak. So I thought it was paramount to open up in Ephesians six is this is really the foundation criteria uh, as we look at the spiritual warfare to putting that body of armor on. So I thought it was just awesome that you uh, started with that. Yes. And this, we have to remember too, that even though the spirit of truth is in us, we still have the option of turning ourselves over to this spirit. We can choose to grieve the Holy Spirit. We can choose to quench the Holy Spirit. Both are at our discretion. You know, it is something that uh, because God didn't want a bunch of mindless robots roaming around going, yes, God is truth. God is truth. I mean, it's it's <laughs> the fact that we actually have the ability to either give ourselves to this spirit for our whole life and from the time point of salvation on, or we can go back and forth and pick and choose and say, I, I can take care of this one, Holy Spirit. You go ahead and stay down here and take a rest, be quiet, you know, whatever you want to do. And uh, it's, it's that important in spiritual warfare that you – uh, that you don't do that. There's things in regular warfare that they impress on you greatly that if you want to save your life in the midst of a battle, you do X, Y, and Z without question. You just follow the leadership and, and, and go forth and, 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 and win the, the battle that's there. So that's why this whole idea of truth being foundational is so important and it it really does go into the fact that the the roman soldier that he was he was equating all this stuff to a roman soldier they have all these different things on that they wear and he said the you know having girded your loins with truth the belt that was part of a roman soldier's armor was important because it supported other things it had it had clips on it that the breastplate actually slipped into so that the the breastplate that you wore on the uniform wouldn't flop around and hit you in the midst of battle or flip up in front of your face it had locks on it so that it locked it onto that belt the belt also held the broadsword and the dagger which were two offensive weapons that they had that you, you know, that speaks of the, the sword of the spirit later on. So all of these things are contingent upon that belt of truth being put on properly and not being taken off. 
Amen. Such a great uh, visual. Once we think about when you were explaining it, I was just having a vision, a visual of uh, the armor uh, that a Roman soldier. And it kind of reminded me of how we used to learn in school that the neck bones connected to the backbone, the backbones connected to, you know, on down the body, uh, so to speak. And it's the same way with the uh, armor of God. You know, we've got to realize that it all works together uh, for our benefit, for our use, for our uh, to go to win the spiritual warfare that we're in. And we've mentioned that in the last uh, podcast as well, that it's so important as we go towards the end of the age to understand that the warfare will only get more intense as Satan knows that his time is uh, short. The serpent knows that his time is short. And how do we uh, when we look at spiritual warfare, when we look at the Holy Bible, uh, there might be some listeners out there that might wonder, okay, well, this is good, and I'm I'm all about the Ephesians 6, the putting on the armor of God. But if I'm in a spiritual warfare right now, I'm being attacked uh, by Satan in whatever way it may be. Uh, how do we use the Holy Bible uh, for spiritual warfare? Well, you, again, you take the examples that are in there, and you apply each one to your life separately. That's why having a, I, I talk about a working knowledge of spiritual warfare in conjunction with a head knowledge. Head knowledge doesn't help you in the midst of a battle. Working knowledge does because it's, it's tried and true. It's been tested over time. It's been uh, exemplified by somebody else. You know, in other words, there are great, warriors that have walked through time and history uh, that have stood in the face of un unbelievable odds and had victory because of who was their leader and who they joined themselves with in the midst of the battle. That's why I was speaking of a corporate, you know, it can be a, a good thing for a personal battle, but a corporate battle is something different and a battle that is not fought by yourself. A lot of times if you are wise in your Christianity, you will join yourselves with people of the same spirit that have got the same heart that are being, being moved by the Holy Spirit in, in a particular direction uh, that you that fits your, I don't want to say spiritual bent, but in essence it is, it's because we're all gifted differently. We're all empowered differently with the Spirit of God by the level of intensity of the battle. Uh, there, there are people that are on the front lines of a spiritual battle. Then there's people that are on the supply lines that supply those in front with intercessory prayer, things like that, you know, to, to keep their arms up, you know, like I talked in the Old Testament, you know, about the arms being held by, by two others that are to keep the battle going. All of these things are, are developed within spiritual warfare as well. Uh, yes. And uh, when I think of spiritual warfare, just like you mentioned, I mean, the sword of the spirit is the Holy Bible. I mean, that's what the Holy Bible is. It's our sword of the spirit that really cuts through the spiritual warfare when you think about it and wins the battles for us. And I love the example that you gave of Moses and Aaron and her holding his hands up, because sometimes when we're really attacked to a point where uh, someone really is not a 
I don't know how to say it, but maybe not as effective because they're going through such tremendous warfare. We need the brethren. We need two or more witnesses to stand with us uh, to be uh, intercessories for us. So uh, we have to understand, in my opinion, that uh, the Holy Bible, like you've said as well, that uh, he's given us a template just like Messiah was tempted or going through spiritual warfare, if you will, uh, with Satan. Satan, uh, he tempted him with the lust of the eyes, the flesh and the pride of life uh, with uh, all of the things that are mentioned in the gospel accounts. And he overcame it by the word of God, by the sword of the spirit, by it is written, it is written, it is written, you know, and uh, we, we all know the story. So that's how important the word of God, the, the sword of the spirit is uh, with our warfare, because we can just like Messiah did, we can quote the word of God and Satan will flee uh, by the word of God because he has no power of authority over a believer. Uh, number one and number two, when we quote the word of God, especially when you use two or three scriptures as witnesses, uh, I f- have found that personally to be very impactful. Yes. And uh, also realizing that you're this is why it's important that you don't Um, you make sure that those that are in the warfare with you are on the same page. Uh, There's the example of the seven sons of Sceva in Acts where they said, you know, that uh, they were following around, watching the disciples work and things, and they wanted to, to duplicate some things, you know, so they found somebody that had a demon and they, they said, uh, we, we command you, in the name of the God that Paul preaches to come out of you. And the evil spirit said, you know, Jesus, we know, and Paul, we know, but who are you? You know, you have no authority over us. <laughs> it says it jumped on him and beat him and stripped him naked and drove him off. And this is where having an understanding of the, the, the intelligence in a warfare, uh, that is a very crucial part of, uh, you know, having people that are on the same page with you, working in the spirit with you, realizing that, you know, this is an attack in this particular area, and then stepping into it with the authority that you've got in the name of Jesus and that you're, it's being validated by somebody that's been praying for you in the same way the enemy flees. That's why you say resist the devil and he will flee. You resist him in the power of the Holy Spirit through the name of Jesus, but you don't do it by yourself. Yes, and I'm so glad you mentioned being in uh, corporate uh, together. Uh, in the scriptures, it says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, it will be established. So, yep. and, and we know the importance of uh, where two or more gathered in his name, he's there amongst us. So there's something very powerful about being in corporate setting, if you will, with two or more gathered, uh, even in a warfare sense, to coming together to establish these things uh, in in the spiritual realm. And we, we fight our battles in the spiritual realm, not on the earthly realm, and then they will be manifested out upon the earth uh, once we receive that uh, righteous rendered verdict, if you will. Um, if we could go into some of the things that uh, people personally uh, deal with and how that affects them being attacked or 
uh, some I call them uh, the opening gates or some of the worldly vices that uh, we may uh, all be induced into, so to speak. How does that open ourselves up? Uh, could you go into that? How does that open ourselves up into a spiritual warfare when we open the gates to whatever it may be, to drugs, to alcohol, to por pornography, all of these things? Uh, it's very important, in my opinion, for uh, the listeners to understand that these things will open up things to where you will receive a great backlash upon the spiritual warfare. Yeah, there's a lot of external things, but I think the most the most wicked one that we have the capability of doing is pride. Uh, when you stop and take a look that Satan's fall, his Lucifer's fall from grace was all on pride. In, in, I think it's in Isaiah where it talks about the uh, the one that was, you know, the, the one that was saying, I will. In fact, he said it five times. I will do this. I will. The final one was, I will be like the most high. I will be God. That is the one thing that Antichrist, when he takes control, I mean, when Satan takes control of Antichrist, turns him into a puppet and takes his seat in the temple of God and declares himself as being God. That's when all hell breaks loose, literally. And uh, it, 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 the culmination of that is Antichrist is killed and Satan and his, head, his hordes are eventually thrown into the lake of fire, restoring everything back to what it was in the garden before the snake was even there and that's the part where you you take a look at the the thing that he has gotten so entrenched in so much of the body of Christ is this issue of pride uh, pride from leadership that that thinks they've got enough head knowledge that they don't need the help of anybody else and it's just in regards to like spiritual warfare that's why it isn't taught and preached by too much because there's they don't they, they don't understand the idea that if you don't let go of your pride and make sure that your flock has got everything that they need not the things they want the things they need to be able to stand firm against this enemy this enemy will come in and decimate that church and just you know i mean it just incredible stuff going on it's all got to do with pride but there's so many other things i mean you can take a number of sins that are captivating sins like you mentioned drugs and things like that and um uh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and pornography and all these different things they're traps that the enemy lays out there and the one that we talked about the other day i, I just put something out on the internet from uh, john bevere's book the bait of Satan, which is nothing but taking an offense. That is what is taking place in our nation today. We're a nation that is taking offense. And the enemy's having, a, I mean, I, I picture him sitting back in his chair with his feet up, just clapping, going, they're doing a great job. Oh, look at this. Man. I don't have to do a whole lot of work. They're doing it to themselves. You know, and, and you go, it's all because of this taking an offense at somebody else and creating this monster that we've got right now going on. So that's just a yes. couple of things. 
Yeah, it's a great deception. You know, it's a, he's trying to take our eye off of things and kind of put it on uh, these other uh, nonsense things, in my opinion, uh, so to speak. So, yeah, I totally agree with you that pride is the internal factor that we all have to uh, not swallow. We have to vomit our yeah. pride out. Uh, I know a lot of people Kill say you got to swallow your pride, but I say let's vomit our pride out because that will manifest itself into so many different avenues internally uh, that will uh, negate someone uh, or any of us from reaching our full potential with the Lord, including uh, winning the spiritual warfare battle, uh, so to speak. And I do, when I look at, uh, just like with you, uh, when we look at uh, the church and you look at the believers and there's so much pride and self-idolatry out there, especially with the uh, social media, now that it's come upon the scene, now every it's, it's become like on steroids, so to speak, with the self-idolatry, so to speak, and uh, with the pride and, and that he is the father of pride. He is the father father of lies and that can manifest itself into so many things. So uh, whenever we get attacked uh, in a spiritual warfare battle, so to speak, and you can really feel it. And we, I know you've you've uh, had your uh, battles and I've had my we, we will always have our battles until uh, the Messiah returns or he takes us uh, up into heaven, whichever one comes first. Uh, but it's so important to understand uh, the battlefield is not on the earth. It is in the heavens. And we have to make sure that we have our internal and external lives uh, cleansed, uh, so to speak, so that we can overcome uh, the spiritual warfare. And that is including with the Ephesians 6, praying the Ephesians 6 over us. Uh, one of the scriptures I like to use is Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and every tongue that rises against us in judgment, Lord God, you will condemn. You know, I love that scripture as well. So he's given us the sword of the spirit, the Holy Bible to combat these things. And like we've mentioned before, just like Messiah, it is written, it is written, it is written. Uh, it's so important to understand that he's given us this sword of the spirit, the Holy Bible, the word of God, which is Jesus, uh, to combat these things. Yes. And I, I mean, if you also, if you, if you really stop and take a look at the, um, uh, the, the idea, like in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 10 verses 3 and 4, something like that. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And so this is to realize that there are, there are strongholds over uh, countries and cities and, and even people groups that are that are operating that you know are operating in the spirit of lawlessness or the spirit of the age or whatever you want to call it that we have we have the ability of tearing these things down in the spirit not in the flesh and so you know, just having some understandings like that in your prayer time and in realizing what the word of god has to say about things like that are you know, you can get also a picture like with pride and uh, things like that. And you, um, there was, there were three nails that held Jesus on the cross. Each one of those nails was hit numerous times. And if you could put to the fact that you can take your pride and use it with one of those nails in Jesus's hand. 
how many times you have to repent of this pride before you actually kill it, before you get rid of it, before you're crucified with Christ. How many times do you have to hit that nail of pride? It may be once a day for every day of your life, but it still needs to be crucified. Amen. Uh, one of the things I love to pray about is, uh, you know, every time, you know, I go to the Lord is to deny myself and pick up my cross, you know, and I always try to meditate on that, deny myself, pick up my cross. Yep. What does that truly mean? What does that really mean? And we can go into so many different aspects of it, but that's one of the things that you're mentioning is to deny yourself is that pride, that spirit of pride, that demonic spirit of pride to really get that out of the way and then we will have great clarity uh, with all of the rest of it um if you could give the listeners um how would you say to pray uh when you're in a spiritual warfare battle uh, some of the listeners might say okay that's you know i'm on board with you guys i'm with you but how do i pray uh if we could give kind of like a basic template of how to pray against the spiritual warfare or to overcome the spiritual warfare uh, could you give a kind of a basic template uh, that would give the listeners some insight yeah i can what i can do is i i went ahead and pulled up uh the one of the powerpoints that i've got that i use in my uh, spiritual warfare series and it talks about this uh ephesians 6 18 uh maybe better read that first so we are all on the same page with it if you come down at the end of the armor the pieces of armor it starts at uh verse uh, 14 where it talks about girding your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and you know, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, peace, helmet of salvation. Uh, and then you get to 18. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Now, this isn't talking about, um, in other words, walking through your life, uh, constantly praying in the spirit. This is talking about when you're in the heat of a battle, when you're when you're confronting these things of evil that they talked about, you know, the war is not against flesh and blood, it's against the principalities and powers. You're speaking to them. You're in constant prayer. If you wanted to put it that way, that you're in constant communication with the leader of the battle, which is the spirit. And so it, if you get that picture of it, it's not considered a separate piece of the armor, but it saturates the whole of the armor. This is important to understand that you're not, you're not choosing, okay, I'm going to use the sword now and I'm going to pray about. No, you're praying in conjunction with the spirit as he operates the armor through you. You've got the whole armor, you don't just put on parts of the armor. You don't win the battle if you don't put it on the whole armor. So that's understanding that it saturates the piece of it. And it, it, it really is the armor's effectiveness. The armor isn't got the effectiveness without the prayer in the spirit saturating it. And it's our communication with the commander of the battle. I already mentioned that one. And it says prayer has a fullness it's not just petition. It says with all prayer and petition, pray. So it's got a fullness to it that you have to realize that 
just petitioning God with prayer is not going to do it as far as the help me, you know, help me God in the battle or get it. It's, it's the idea that he's already helping you. You're working in conjunction with him. You're working in conjunction with the spirit that you're praying with in the battle. Okay. That's one of the things. And then it's not just, uh, there's several components that you can do in warfare prayer, uh, worship and praise. The battle's not ours. The thanksgiving, confession, intensity, urgency, consistence, and continual praying at all times that he's talking about. Those are the components of, of prayer and the warfare. But it's, it's really two things. Dependence upon God, not self, no lone rangers. Uh, we are no match for the enemy's power in the flesh, nothing. And then we develop a spiritual mean streak. It's, and I, I don't mean this to be funny. It's the fact that I hate my sin. You you hate your sin as much as God hates your sin. He, he, he can't stand it. And that's why confession is so necessary, especially when you're going into a battle and you're in the, even in the midst of a battle, you're making sure that the components are lined up that you don't have anything that's hindering you and the spirit of God going after the enemy. So you got a mean street. You hate your sin. You can hate the devil. I mean, God does, you know, and you, and you put in the idea that you're not going to bow. You're, you're just not going to give in and bow. You have all the strength you need. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's okay to say that. It's okay to proclaim it. It's okay to believe it to the point where you can you can go to the next step and go, come on, let's rumble. You know, <laughs> you know come on, have at it. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you don't have to you don't have to be on the constant defensive of this thing. You can go on the offensive with the word of God and you can you can put the enemy in his place and uh, and, and not feel ashamed to do so. As long as the, uh, as long as you are following all the dictates of confession and and the things that you're you're praying through this, it isn't done in a physical sense. It's done through prayer. Amen. And you mentioned a great point, and I'm so glad you, that you brought this to the light. Is it all starts with confession? It all starts with repentance. Uh, in my personal opinion, and whenever we have the confession, we know that we are forgiven. Isaiah 43:25 through 26 that He remembers them no more; He blots them out. As far as the east is from the west, in Psalms 103. So we have this uh, understanding that once we're forgiven, then we our prayers and our petitions work in conjunction together, like you've mentioned, uh, operating through the Holy Spirit, the great witness, and then also the Word of God, the second great witness that we have here on earth. And it works together and we're in a partnership. And when you were speaking about this, uh, Timothy, it really brought to my mind Revelation 19. This is a little bit different, but as we're coming with the Messiah, he's on his horse. Yes, he was down before us. His bloods are you know, spattered with blood. But when he comes with us in Revelation 19, uh, we're with him in conjunction 
function with uh, the ultimate battle. So I kind of, uh, it, it's a little bit offbeat, but at the same time, we can kind of get a picture of how we're working together uh, with the conjunction of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God, just like we're going to be with Messiah coming down to win the ultimate battle uh, here on earth. And I, it just gave me a, a, a quick visual of that. And I wanted to share that with the listeners. And uh, like you said, it's okay to uh, hate the devil and hate sin because that's that's what the Lord hates. So, you know, we want yes. to be in conjunction. We want to be in conjunction with him on all points. And um, we want to definitely be on the offensive uh, with this. And that goes back into the word of God. That goes back into the blessed Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the healer, the comforter, the blessed one uh, that's living within us. And we have the power and the authority uh, to come against uh, Satan and come against the principal or the principalities, the dominions in the spiritual realm through the word of God to not only win our personal battles, but also be in the corporate sense of uh, what you're speaking of with the other believers. And if we could transition into that with the corporate understanding of spiritual warfare and what we're seeing today, how important it is to come together with with at least two or more or within a body, uh, so to speak, within a church, so to speak, as we're seeing calamity happen, we're seeing division happen uh, in America, across the world. We're seeing plagues, pestilences, locusts. We're seeing all of these um, incredible things uh, on the earth. How important it is uh, to be in a corporate sense, a church sense, all together as one with the spiritual warfare. Uh, yes, and there's something that we need to look at here that is important because it, um, it's been misconstrued uh, quite a bit through a lot of our Pentecostal churches and things that we've got going on is that when he is speaking in this context, in this uh, 618, he talks about praying at all times in the spirit. And what we need to recognize is that this is not referring to praying in tongues because it's not in the context. Remember, if we don't put things in context, you develop a pretext. And so this is where taking one text like this is if you don't keep it in context, you can build your own pretext. So it's important to recognize that because the enemy does not, he does not respond to pretexts. He responds to the word of God kept in context so that the spirit of God hits him with it. This is where the Spirit of God has has the wow factor or whatever you want to call it. So there's nothing in the context that develops that thought or action. So it's just praying. I, I put it like this. It's simply put, it's praying with the help, motivation, empowerment, and direction of the Spirit. And you can take Romans 8.26 as a... A reference for this that speaks to this nature it says in the same way the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know how to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words this is the spirit that does this it is not us 
So this is where uh, this is where it is imperative that we understand how this process works and how the Spirit of God is there on all the different aspects of the warfare. But this idea of prayer saturates everything, and it's it's all at His direction, not anything that we're doing on the side to help the direction. And, and, and it, it's important that we realize that. So it's, it's again, praying the words of the Spirit, which is nothing but Scripture. Mm-hmm. Scripture was written by the Holy Spirit. So we're actually, when we're praying God's Word, we're praying in the Spirit. Amen. Okay? That is so good that it brings to brings to light what we've mentioned before about the two great witnesses. And and you've just really simplified it for all of us to understand that whenever we're praying the word of God, we are praying in the spirit. And I don't know if I've ever thought about it exactly like that. I've always thought, you know, hey, we've got two great witnesses, you know, the Holy Spirit and the word of God, which is true. And you put those together, but you brought it to light. It's that simple. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Holy Bible. And whenever we're praying, it is written. That's what Messiah did as well, like we've discussed. He prayed in the Spirit. It is written. It is written. It is written. And uh, yes, he is God as well. But uh, as a man, he did that on earth as well. So we have great these great templates of understanding like you've brought out. And that is as simple as we can put it, I believe, is what you've mentioned, is uh, the Word of God is inspired by the blessed Holy Spirit. And whenever we're quoting the word of God in our prayers and our petitions, then we are praying in the spirit. And uh, I'm not so certain if I've ever heard anybody say it that uh, clear, you know, so to speak. So I really appreciate you bringing that out uh, for the listeners is that's the importance of the two great witnesses, the blessed Holy Spirit and the word of God, which is the Holy Spirit is <laughs> almost yeah. like a double anointing of the Holy Spirit right. you know, in, in a way uh, when you when you do that. So that's very important for us to pray in the spirit and always uh, try to uh, get myself to uh, I ask the Holy Spirit to quieten my brain, quieten yep. my spirit, quieten my ears to be sensitive to him uh, to where, well, you know, sometimes I know I can speak for myself. I'll just start praying instead of being quiet and letting the spirit intercede for me. Uh, is that kind of how you're looking? You look at it sometimes as well? Yes, in a way that is that's exactly true, because then what you're doing is you're agreeing with the spirit. And the spirit gets all the glory for the victory in the battle. Amen. When we like again, this the idea that you're you're praying in tongues, you're helping the spirit by praying in tongues. What you're actually doing, in a sense, is you're drawing attention to yourself mm. instead of drawing attention to what the Holy Spirit's doing in the midst of the battle. That is something that is generated generally by pride. Wow. And if you look at that, you're playing into the enemy's hands while you're trying to pray to fight a spiritual battle. And if it's not, if it's not in a corporate setting, I mean, you've got, okay, I've, I'm not saying what you're doing in, in your own particular prayer language that you've got or anything in that. But in a corporate setting, when you're talking about this, there's very specific things that are in Scripture when it comes to tongues and the crossing over to this into spiritual warfare, uh, you're nullifying a lot of what you're trying to do. 
when you're dealing with this enemy. And he's not stupid. See, this is the part most people think that he's just this, this uh, you know, he doesn't really know the word of God. I know it better and the spirit knows it better. And he's a, he knows that word of God inside and out. Absolutely. And we, we don't, we aren't even close to his knowledge of understanding of the word of God. I mean, he knows, he knows how to get into anybody's brain to, that's why we're told to renew our minds with the spirit and all of the different things. It's, he knows how to get into your brain and he knows how to twist something just enough so that the glory goes back on you and not on the, on, on the spirit of God who is in you. And so we have to be very careful about that as far as, especially with spiritual warfare, because it is, uh, like you said, it's going to ramp up. The closer we get to the end of the age, there's going to be things taking place that is just going to, if you're not anchored in the spirit of God with your whole being so that you're following his dictates to the letter, you are going to have a horrible, horrible time and if you if if you would be part of those that are that Jesus talked about that are saved so as by fire, uh, there is no um, there's no uh, nothing to look forward to as far as after you're in the presence of Jesus and you're standing before Him, you've got nothing to say. Uh, it's like that, and the 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 positions that we're going to have that are spoken of in scripture uh, in his millennial kingdom and, and in, in the, in the days to come, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely essential that we get straight on a lot of these things. I think that's why there's so much confusion with this is the enemy knows how to confuse it and how to get into, how to get into church life. Uh, I just, uh, I mean that it, it, it really, it, it it just breaks my heart to think of the number of people that are being deceived into thinking that you know this is it, this is what we need to do. We're not. We just need to, you know, do this, 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 and this, and have have certain little practices, and we're, we're going to be fine. Um, it, it is so specific in the Word of God in every case that if we're not born of this Spirit and following Him we're we're really in big trouble. Yes, I totally agree. And you mentioned a great point that uh, I hope that uh, we can elaborate on and, and the distinction between uh, the tongues and praying in tongues. And I know we both believe in tongues, just like the scripture says, with an interpretation of the tongues, etc. Uh, where do you see, if you could summarize, where do you see, uh, you mentioned it briefly, where do you see the confusion with that as far as tongues is concerned with what we're speaking of with the spiritual warfare? I, like I say, I just think because it's not in this context. Uh, in fact, I don't see any any context. I mean, any verses that speak of our war in the spirit, uh, in spiritual warfare, and even the one that I read at the beginning just now. If it's not in the midst of the context, if, if Paul, if Paul would have said in this, you know, that I mean, he's the one that wrote it. Uh, and he wrote it to if you stop and think about this this is this is something this church of ephesus 
was the church that was birthed in the epitome of evil in the whole world of that time. The city of Ephesus was the, the central point of every evil practice that was going on in the world at that time. And this church of Ephesus was under an unbelievable attack at all times. And so the way that he wrote, under the power of the Holy Spirit, if you, if you take away, if you take the word of God as not being inspired by the Holy Spirit, you're lost anyway. Forget it. I mean, it's not going to help you in the least. But because the Holy Spirit is the actual author of this through the writers that wrote it out, Paul, in his preciseness, was following the dictates of the Spirit completely. And you have this whole narrative that is the premier of dealing with spiritual warfare in all of Scripture. When you take a look at Ephesians 6, 10 through you know, 22 or whatever it is, and he mentions the fact if he would have been following the dictates of the Spirit and it was going to be uh, the verse that says pray uh, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit by using your spiritual language the, or using tongues. He would have said it, but it isn't mentioned in his law. It's just the fact that you're praying all times in the spirit. The spirit is directing this and he's directing it in such a way so that no glory comes to anyone but God. That's the, the glory that God gets from a, a saint that is standing firm in the spirit, in the battle, on the front lines, you know, and it has nothing to do with what we do. We put none of ourselves into it. So that's where I, I look at it and go, I hold context very, very um, tightly. If it's not in the context, don't try to force it in. Because when you force it in, you destroy what the Spirit's trying to say in the whole thing. And that alone creates chaos. Very good. That is very clear to me uh, what you've mentioned. I believe that uh, just like you've spoken, he would have definitely been very clear about that. And you can kind of see uh, where some of the pride of these things come about by not following the context of it. So I wanted to just to clarify that for the <laughs> listeners that uh, it's very clear what he was speaking of. And it goes back into meditating on the word of God and quoting the word of God. Uh, that is the blessed Holy Spirit, as, as you've mentioned uh, before as well. So uh, that's what we try to understand is the context of the scriptures. And uh, that way we are not into any error. And that, of course, we do not take any kind of uh, credit or anything for it because he gets all the credit. And so that's very well said. And I really appreciate you clarifying that. Uh, for the listeners who might want more information uh, on the spiritual warfare series that you have, uh, could you give the listeners on how to contact you uh, uh, by email or also on your videos so they can kind of dive into this even more as we continue these, this series? Sure. I, I can be, uh, you can contact me through Facebook. I am on Facebook, uh, Timothy Gill, and if you want to private message me, that's fine. I've also got a um, 
the CPP Institute. That's uh, that's uh, C as in Charlie, P as in Paul, P as in Paul Institute on Facebook as well. That's my ministry page. That's got a lot of the helps on it. I have a YouTube channel for both of my uh, my spirit of uh, truth videos that I have and the um, extreme spiritual warfare videos. And all you do is you just type in spirit of truth, Timothy Gill or extreme spiritual warfare, Timothy Gill on your YouTube search and it'll pull up the channel for that. And then um, uh, there's also the different podcasts and things that I'm, I'm doing with other people and you can always contact me through that again on messenger on facebook um that's the easiest way for me to keep checking on things uh throughout the day without filling up my email with all and i'd be happy to uh connect with you uh on that on the on the chat and if you would like to do a zoom hookup or something to where we can face to face ask questions and and look at things look at the scripture together more than happy to do that with you too very good well i know that i've benefited from watching your videos as well so i would encourage any listener uh, to view those and to get all the inspiration and the wisdom out of those because i'm i know that it's helped me tremendously uh when i've dealt with spiritual warfare and i remember you know me contacting you a couple times about that so uh, we really appreciate you coming on to share your wisdom and your knowledge about this subject and if there's one uh, final word that you would like to give the listeners as far as the spiritual warfare on a personal level or on a corporate level uh, could you share with them um, some final words on that i would just say that we are we are victorious in all of this and the enemy knows that we are victorious in it and the only victory that we really have is the fact that we are in christ he is the one that performs the victory he performs it through us as the church in speaking about crushing the head of Satan. But it's also in the, if you take a look at so many of the things where he talks about the church that he is building and that he has built in the past, the, the hall of witnesses that are in Hebrews speaks to the fact that we are not our own. We are bought with a price. And when we understand that, our life is to be directed and guided by his Holy Spirit to bring him glory. Nothing in ourselves. We are nothing but filthy rags, as Paul said, or menstrual claws. We are that far down the cha food chain. The fact that the only power that we have is the power of the Holy Spirit that he gave us at salvation. Other than that, we are powerless we have to understand that and so the more that we can operate in his spirit the more the battles are going to be coming and like i said because we signed the de declaration of war and uh there are no conscientious objectors i'm sorry that's just that's just not part of who god is so uh, those are the things that i would say just to be totally working your way towards the fact that You've got everything nailed on the cross with Christ so that you are executed in the same way that you are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. It is not 
I. It is Christ who lives in us. Amen. Well said, brother. Well said. Friends, we've been with my friend Timothy Gill on the important topic of spiritual warfare. Uh, This is the second episode that we've done, so we ask that you please check out the first episode for the foundation of the spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6 and also in Genesis, the Genesis account in Matthew 16 as well. But on this episode, we've got more in-depth with Ephesians 6 and the process of putting on the armor of God and our right and our authority through the blood of the Lamb to overcome any and all obstacles in our path, including the dominions and principalities of Satan and his dominions. So we hope that this has been helpful for you, friends, as we enter into this end of the age, as the spiritual warfare only is going to increase. It's so important to understand the right and the authority that we have uh, through the blessed Holy Spirit, through the blood of the Lamb, through the Word of God, which is the Messiah. It's so important to be tentative uh, to all of these things and to have our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes open to allow the Holy Spirit to battle for us, as we've talked about, as Timothy's talked about it so eloquently. So we hope this has been helpful for you, friends. And until next time, we hope that God blesses you and keeps you. He makes His face shine upon you and give you His grace. He lifts up His countenance upon you and give you His everlasting peace, His everlasting shalom. And as always, my name is Chadwick Harvey, and you've reached the final threshold.